um, I thought I thought I'd actually be okay. <laughs> I was like, I got enough time. I'll run get my stand. I can wipe all the tears out of my eyes. I can get I can get beyond the power of that song, but I can't do it. I'm captivated by a song that I think has captured who God is in such a profound way, possibly in a way that um, few songs have ever done in the history of man. I know that's a big statement, but definitely like few songs have done in the past 10 to maybe 20 years of my life, having been following Christ and been interested in what God's saying to his church through worship, I I just, I get blown away um, by that song. It just, it keeps reminding me, like, who am I to follow? Who am I on this earth following? How have I lost my perspective at times of the awe of God? How have I considered myself to be so great in the scope of all that he just breathed and it became into existence? How do I get so worried at times about the minuscule things of this earth when he is so Incredible. How does that happen? How do we all get derailed in that way? How do we think that the next five minutes that I'm dealing with somehow are so profound that they're going to change the ways of the universe when they are not in the scope of how infinite he is? So I don't know where you're at today, but I know this about us as a church. That if the stars were made to worship, so will I. Right? And if the mountains, I mean, if they're going to bow down and worship him, I'm going to do it now. And if the oceans in their roaring sound that they make when you stand there are giving him praise, then why shouldn't I lift my voice up to him? What is holding me back? What is holding us back from just going all in? What is it about the worry of the person beside us or our sense of being fake in the midst of our worship that is keeping us from experiencing a God who speaks? And the things that happen when he speaks, they blow my mind away. Who are we following? That completely ruined my entire intro. That's where I'm at right now. That's where I'm caught up right now. I'm in this moment when I just can't wait for the sermon to be over with so I can get back to the song and I can sing it. I just can't wait. Like with this dude who's speaking, just let us get to the song. But in this series where we're at, we're taking these songs and we're using them like filters right, over God's word. They're they're kind of like going to Google and typing in a word that you're looking for. You're looking for something. Uh, Pick something that you're you're shopping for right now. Pick something that you, you, you know, you're really like searching for right now. And you type that in and it, it goes through the entire world wide web, all of that data, and it compiles it and it says, you might want to start looking here. And when you look at God's word, God's word is so intense and it's so thick and it's so deep. And there's so much life to it that's kind of like, like, where do you start sometimes? 
And so what I like about a teaching series like this is that we kind of get to take a song and use it like a filter, like a search engine and say, okay, now what does God's word say about this? What does his word say about it? And so that's what we've been doing. Uh, That's what we've been doing through this entire series. So if you're here at the last week of our series, by the way, this is the last week of Playlist. Right? After this, we move on to the next one. Um, look, go back to mynewlifechurch.com and listen to the past messages because uh, some of the songs that we're rolling out are just profound. Like, I just want to remind you, how do we pick songs here at New Life? We pick them because they are biblically accurate and biblically, biblically sound. You are not going to find a song that has more scripture in it that we've unveiled throughout this teaching series than the one that we're going to sing after this sermon. This So Will I song that you just heard, there's over a hundred, over a hundred different scripture passages that back this song up. And I'm being, I'm being like, like on, the, on the short side of it. I could easily take that number up to maybe 200 different passages of the Bible. So you, you, you tell me, which one would you rather me do? Stand up here and read the 200 different passages to you or wrap it up in the form of a song? Because when you sing this song in a few minutes, you are singing hundreds of passages of God's word and hundreds of passages of the truth and the accuracy of who God is when you sing in this one song. And the second thing is that it directs you back to the majesty and the power and the compassionate love that is our God. That's what's happening when we're singing this kind of a song. And it's just, it's it's awesome to know that you're doing that. So the reason why I'm going to take the next few minutes that was slotted for me is because I want you to know some of the biblical accuracy of what we're getting ready to sing. And I want you to be able to say, you know, God's word is profound and God's word has life to it. And God's word helps me lead my everyday life. That's, that's why we're going to take the next few minutes. And we're not just going to jump to the song like my spirit really wants to jump to the song. Because I don't want to just be led by the feeling of the moment. I want to I anchor my feeling into something that's stable. That's God's word. Are you with me? Are you with me? So here, here's the thing with this song, right? We're just going to dive in, just dive into the message. The main theme of the song is that the song is, it it just proclaims the majesty, the power, and the incredible love that God has for us. And I I love that about the song, right? But, But here's what I really love. I love the call to action in this song. When you hear those words, so will I, here's what they're really saying. Will you surrender and follow Jesus as your Lord and your leader? So will I. So will I is a statement of surrender. So will I is a statement of alignment. It's saying, God, you are the supreme authority. I will line myself underneath you. And that so will I statement is exactly what our church is built on. Like if you've ever heard me talk about salvation, you hear me talk about committing your life to Jesus Christ through surrender. And the reason why we have to surrender day one, I surrender to you, Jesus, you're going to be my Lord, and you're going to be my leader, I'm going to follow you, is because all through your spiritual journey, all the way until the last week that you are on planet Earth, there's one thing that's constant that God's going to keep asking out of you, and that's this. There's more to surrender. There's more to surrender. 
as long as you have breath, as long as you have life, there's always going to be more that God's asking for out of our life. And this song brings us right back to that action step when we say those words, so will I. So the attitude behind this song is all about surrender. And that's what I want to talk to you about for the next couple minutes that we have together. That you can surrender to God. You can surrender everything to God. In fact, I want you to do that. I want you to feel like I've left everything here today in front of God. And I have to go live my life, yes, but by the power of his spirit will I live my life. But everything I have is surrendered to God. It doesn't mean that you have to empty your bank account out. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, you don't have to empty your bank account and bring it down and lay it on these steps. It's that what is yours is his. Whether it's your life, it's your children, it's your occupation, it's your finances, it's your dreams, it's your future, it's your education. No matter what it is, it's his. That's the surrender that this song is helping us see God's word for. And I want you to have the confidence to know that you can surrender everything to God because of a couple of thoughts. First off, it's this, that God started everything out of nothing. That's one of the reasons why you can just go all in and just say, God, everything I have is yours because he created it all out of nothing. Now, look, I, I love being creative, okay? And I know that we've got some amazing creative people around this church, on our staff, sitting here in our church, you know, team members and volunteer teams, uh, team leaders, assistant team leaders, directors in our pipeline. We've got some amazing, incredible people that are just creative, I know some people, though, they can build, like, anything out of just a few things. And they can almost fix anything with solutions that I could never come up with in my mind. They're kind of like what I would call the MacGyver friends. And everybody needs, like, a MacGyver friend. When you get stuck in that moment and you just don't know what to do, you need to call that creative friend that comes over and he looks at it and, or she looks at it and they go, do this. Right? Just do this. And you're like, wow, man, that works. That's amazing. I love it. Like, we need people like that. I know other people, though, they, they, they just dream in ways that I don't dream. They dream in ways of, like, creating videos for us or creating graphics or making movies, you know, that I love to go watch or, you know, things like that that just blow my mind. But I got other friends that I'm telling you, they could start a business. You give them a dollar, they could start a business, and it would be thriving. It would be awesome. So God has all kinds of different creative people on this planet. But I don't know anybody who's truly created something out of nothing. I've heard humans use that term, like I created this business out of nothing. No, no you didn't. Because everything that you're using to create with was first the matter that God created with. Everything that we create with comes out of what he has already created. Like where did you come from? out of the matter in which God created and he started. He started with nothing. Let's, like, let's remind ourselves of some very basic, you know, Christ-centered principles that we tend to overlook sometimes. But back in Genesis, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of those waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was. Here's what I want you to see. Okay, because many of you have read this, okay? But here's what you need to see. So in the beginning, nothing, create, nothing was created. 
In the beginning, there was nothing, nothing that you and me know of that we walk on, that we look into the universe and into the sky and we see nothing was there. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of creation, there, God creates a, an earth that we live on today. And it, it says it's formless and that there's no life on it and that the waters are covering over the land, but it's just there. However, it's something that's special about the earliest moments of creation when there's nothing and then there's a formless earth that's in darkness. Here's what's important to know. God was here. God was here. And then from this point of reference, a formless earth, God started dreaming the universe. And on day four of creation, there was the sun, and then there was the moon, and then there was the stars, and he just flung them into their place. But it all came from a point of reference starting right here on this earth. So let me just ask you the question then. In the scope of the vastness called our universe, how important is this place that we live? People have radical, crazy off-the-wall ideas about our universe and planets and people and things, and they can't wrap their mind around, like, why would there be such a vast universe with just us on this planet? Let me tell you why, because this is where God started. And he looked at this planet that he made that was formless, and he goes, I'm going to bring life here, and then everything's going to be created from this point of reference. That's how incredible he is. So what is this thing that he has created? How powerful is it? How vast is it? Well, I, I love this because I love, I love how science both backs what God has done, but it also gets baffled by what God has done. You know what I mean? I love that. I love, I'm not afraid of science. Science, to me, always comes back and it keeps driving home. There's a creator. There's a creator. He's powerful. He's mighty. He's, there's nothing like him, right? You can't amount to him. Like, he's far beyond you. And they did it again in 2012. And you probably didn't even know it. 2012, September 25th, NASA ends an experiment that they've been doing for days where they took the the Hubble telescope, and they focus it on the darkest place they could find in the universe, where there was no light that we could see on our planet, nothing that we could see that was out there, and they focus it on the darkest place they could find, and here's what it looks like. They focus it on this little itty-bitty square. It's there in reference to the size of the moon, so we can kind of get our bearings, Here's what they found after days of shooting the telescope at that one spot. They identified 5,500 galaxies in that little square. Now, let's just put that in a frame of reference. The Milky Way galaxy, in which you and me live in right now, science believes it has an estimate of about 100 billion stars in our galaxy. 5,500 galaxies times 100 billion stars is... A lot. <laughs> it's, it's trillions. I tried to do it on my cell phone, and I had to turn my cell phone sideways to the scientific calculator to actually get it to finish the calculation. It's trillions and trillions of stars wrapped up right here. Now, if you want to tonight, if there's, if there's no clouds in the sky tonight, and you want to kind of figure out what does this really look like, here's a scientific kind of factor you can go with. If you'll take your thumb and you'll stretch your arm all the way out 
and you'll cover up the moon with your thumb, which your, your thumb, no matter what size your thumb is, it will cover up the moon at an outstretched arm reach because the average human thumb would cover up the moon twice, like this. You, you hold your thumb out and you cover up the moon and then you think about how small this is. And it's like if you have a hangnail on your thumb, the hangnail is what's covering up the 5,500 galaxies. So now how much is your thumb covering up? How many millions of galaxies is your thumb covering up? And then how many stars are in that? And in a moment, God spoke and boom, those things all went into their place. So I would say to you that God created a lot out of nothing. A lot out of nothing. And that's why we should surrender to him. And that's why we should worship him. And that's why this song so profoundly helps us drive that point home when it uses words like this. That if the stars were made to worship, so will I. Right? And if the mountains bow in reverence, what? And if the oceans roar your greatness, what are you going to do? So will I, right? For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I, God, right? And if the winds go where you send it, so will I. And if creation sings your praises, so will I. And listen to this. If creation still obeys you, so will I. That's why we can surrender to him. That's why we can go with this so will I attitude before God and just go, God, so will I, man. If all of creation was made to worship you, then so will I. And if it all still obeys you, so will I. Because you are beyond me. So the question really you should be asking is this, will you become obedient to God like his creation is? Or will you continue in a prideful, more like a I kind of know better way than the one who spoke and in a sliver of your fingernail he created galaxies of which are almost unnumberable right you can't come up with that number i don't even know if that's a word but who cares i'm the one preaching right <laughs> and it'll be held forever against me in the court of law called the world wide web right the question you should be asking though is will you praise god with total surrender like his creation does God just came, God comes right out in his word, in the Bible. God comes right out and he just says this, look, if you can't see me in my creation, and if you can't, you know, honor me because of what I created and worship me, here, here's what God's word says. You're a fool. If you can't see what has been created and come to an attitude of surrender and obedience and alignment to the authority of God, his word says that that's foolish. Here's, here, here's what it says in Romans 1. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. True. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. But yes, although they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise they instead became utter fools. For you and me today, why can we worship him with an abandonment? Why can we surrender to him? Because he created everything out of nothing. And if I can hold my thumb up and cover up millions of galaxies and trillions and trillions of stars, then why can't I just come to God and say, God, I am finite, but you are infinite. 
And that's the attitude that we need to come to God with today. So will I. So will I, God. I will submit myself to you as finite to an infinite God. But you can also surrender everything to God because, listen to this thought, because God has the power of life in his voice. Like some people have a voice that commands attention, right? Some people have a voice that can sing like an angel, like what we just heard, by the way. And I'm so proud of those guys. Man, awesome. Some people have a voice that's soft and it's gentle, and other people have a voice that's rarely heard, but when it is, you listen. You know those kind of people? But when God speaks, the impossible happens. Totally different than anything you've experienced on this earth. Here's what, here's what the, the, the Bible says really about God's word. If, um, if that, will that come, guys? Will I get the thumbs up or the thumbs down? I know we had a computer that kind of like locked up on us. So don't worry about it. I still have the notes. <laughs> Those computers, you know what I'm saying? You're going to hear about that in just a second. And all of what you just experienced, a miracle. All of what you just <laughs> experienced, you'll understand even better. But look, look what Psalms 33, 6 says. That the Lord, what did he do? It's not like he like sat down like I had to do this week and like give a lot of thought to a sermon and type it all out and give it all that study. It was like God just kind of went. He, like, he merely spoke. Like, like, here's what happens for us when we merely speak. We normally get ourselves in big trouble. That's what normally happens. But the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars, they were born. This is, what, this is what I love about this song. This song, it keeps bringing us back to, to helping us understand how powerful God's spoken word really is. And so take a look, take a look at what this, this song really says about how powerful God's spoken word is that we're going to sing in just a minute. It says that, God, you spoke to the dark and you fleshed out the wonder of light. Here's another place. And as you speak, God, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. I am so thankful for creative people that know how to like to sense God's heart and they know God's word and then they can put it in to a way that is just so oh, life-giving, right? And as you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath. Just right now, just take in a breath. A hundred billion creatures catch their breath as the Lord spoke. So what should we do with that breath? We should worship him with it, with everything we've got. Here's, here's another spot in the song, though. It says, God of your promise, you, you don't speak in vain, no syllable empty or void. For once you have spoken all nature and science, they follow the sound of your voice. It's like when he, he doesn't speak anything in vain, but when he does speak, everything just starts into motion and it stays in motion. And it keeps going exactly where he wants it to be. Can you imagine what if you and I had that kind of power in, in us that we could speak to bring life or to destroy something, and tangibly it happened right before our eyes. Can you imagine that? Well, God displayed that power in his son Jesus in Mark chapter 11 when his disciples were walking by this fig tree, and Jesus went to the fig tree to get, get fruit off of it, and it had no fruit on it. And Jesus literally said these words to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And they walked away. 
couple verses later, Mark chapter 11 says this. The disciples came back by that tree in the morning, and guess what they found? Withered up, and it died. Some versions even say, from the roots up. Like the whole thing withered and died. So does God have the power to speak life with his voice? You better believe it. That's why I'm so thankful that God doesn't speak anything in vain. So think about if we had that kind of power. And you're on, your, on a frustrated day working on the computer that locked, that locked up. Right? And it locked up. And you're like clicking your mouse. And then you with authority are clicking the mouse. Right? And then you say one little simple statement like this. Like, this computer is driving me crazy. And crazy actually becomes your identity. Could you imagine that? Where the next thing you recognize is you're reaching over and you're picking things out of the neighbor's hair and you're eating it and you're saying weird things. And, right, and then these two kind people are showing up and they're wrapping you up in a nice new white suit where your arms are tightly, firmly against your chest. All because you said, this computer's driving me crazy. What about if you're in an argument with your wife, okay, or your spouse, which you probably never do, so let's just use Kim and I. So we're, we're in an argument, and then I say to Kim, right, and it's not right, right, but I say it anyways. I just go, I wish you'd just be quiet for a second. And then all of a sudden, like a sci-fi movie, her lips just meld together and she can't speak. That would not be good, by the way. Like, I probably need that, but not you. Or what about when you were a teenager and you're having that irrational argument with your mom and you just overreacted completely and you just said these words like, I wish I was never born, poof, like over. <laughs> it would change everything. It would change everything. And this is the reason why you can surrender to God and you can trust him with everything in your life because he doesn't speak anything in vain. Because when he speaks the universe is altered. When he speaks, life changes. Why? Because he has complete authority, and that's why we should worship him. And you can also praise him because when his name is spoken, it commands worship from all. Here's what God's word says about that. In Philippians, it says that God elevated him, being Jesus, to the place of highest honor, and he gave him the name above all other names. That at the name, at the sound of of the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. You have a choice to make. You will either, at the sound of Jesus' name, in this life, bow down and commit your life to him and surrender to him completely, or one day you will bow even though you don't want to. You will drop to your knees before him on a day called judgment when it's way too late to confess sin and to get our lives right with God. But one way or the other, at the sound of Jesus' name, his, the sound of his name commands worship. That's another great reason just to give your life to him and follow him with everything you have. But let me just wrap it up. Okay, because I want to get I want to get to worshiping God with the song. There's one last reason why you should surrender your life completely to God and worship Him with an all-out abandonment. And instead of me preaching the point, I think it would be best if we just let the song itself drive home hundreds of scripture passages. Because this is this is another reason why we should just surrender everything and go after God with all that we have today says this, God of salvation, you chased down my heart through all of my failure and pride, though, on a hill that you created. I mean, think about that. 
Jesus hanging on a cross on a hill that he created, the light of the world, abandoned in darkness to die. But as you speak, a hundred billion failures, your failures, my failures, a hundred billion of them disappear. When he says you're forgiven, where you lost your life so I could find it here on this earth in this short period of time that the Bible says is like a vapor. If you left, Jesus, the grave behind, so will I. And one day you will leave the grave behind. If Jesus doesn't come back and every one of us passes away and we're dead in some grave someplace because he rose first, we shall rise as well. I can see your heart, Jesus, in everything that you've done. Every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose what? If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. Pause for a minute. I've been talking about surrender all morning long. Why should we surrender? Because Jesus himself modeled for us what true surrender was when he gave his life up on the cross and and he went to the grave and he rose again. He surrendered to the, the, the plan, the ultimate plan, in the face of all the agony that the cross would bring. It wasn't that Jesus was uncertain if he was going to rise again. It was in the face of human agony of this body that was going to inflict incredible pain at this moment when the mission was going to be done and the ball was going to be handed to you and me to carry it on. Why should you live holy? Why should you live surrendered? Because he did it first. He says, I, if you gladly chose surrender, then so will I. And when we get to that part of the song, man, may that just be your heart before God. I can see your heart eight billion different ways. Eight billion people on this planet. Every precious one, a child that you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. Like you would, again, a hundred billion times. Thank you. But what measure could amount to your desire Right? Like, how could I even put a number on it? Because, Jesus, you're the one who never leaves the one behind. He's not going to leave you behind today. You, 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 none of you are so far gone that Jesus is going, I, I, I'm just going to leave you behind. In fact, he would say this, that if you were the only one on the planet, he would come back and do exactly what he did a hundred billion times. That's what it took. He would do it 100 billion times. So today, why can we stand and why can we worship God and why can we surrender our lives to him and why can we put everything we have into his hands and trust him with everything? Because he created everything out of nothing. And when he speaks, there is life. And because he surrendered first, so will I. Why don't you stand with me and let's worship. Lord, we, we humbly come to you And we we just humbly come to your presence today. We recognize your spirit here in this place. We're not just here, Lord, to go through a religious act today of singing a couple of songs, of hearing a sermon, of reading a few scriptures, of shaking a couple of hands. But, Lord, we are here in the presence of the almighty, powerful, compassionate, loving God. So, Lord, if all of creation still obeys you, then so will we. And if all of creation still worships you, then so, so will I. And if the stars 
as they twinkle in the night sky are like a signal to us of your amazing love. And they still worship you, then so will I. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for the many, many, many times this past week that we've just thought that the world revolved around us. That we got so lost in us that we lost sight of how incredible you are. It just makes the worries of this life seem so minuscule compared to how powerful you are. Lord, help us to trust you in the midst of this life that we live. Help us to have faith. Help us to live holy. May we repent to you. May we be able to do nothing else but repent before a living God and cry out to you for mercy and grace and worship you with a reverent awe of how powerful you are. Lord, like you spoke and my life became, you could equally speak and my life could end. How powerful you are and how small I am. But Lord, in our micro, our micro size compared to your universe, you started creation here. And your spirit who hovered over the waters of the deep when there was no life definitely hovers over our place today when there is life. You have not abandoned us. If you didn't abandon this place when there was no life, you definitely are not going to abandon it when there is life. So, Lord, you hear our prayer. And you hear our worship. You hear every cry from the inside. You hear every heart that's abandoned to you today. You break it down to every syllable. You care about it. You, you're concerned about it. You want it, God. So may we just worship you with an awe today, giving you everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.